0: real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Podcastpreneur podcast, where you will learn how to produce, promote, and profit with a podcast. This episode originally appeared on the Frugalpreneur podcast. To receive free access to my upcoming podcasting masterclass, please sign up at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash masterclass. That's T H E S A R A H S T J O H N dot com forward slash masterclass. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John. And my guest today helps entrepreneurs, businesses, and brands leverage their content in order to maximize reach, generate leads, increase revenue, and grow their business. Please welcome to the show, Amy Woods, founder of Content 10X. Hello, thank you for having me. And can you tell us a little bit of your
1: background and how you got into this business? Oh, yeah, it's quite... I'll I'll try and make it a really long story cut short, <laughs> but I am, um, so I've been running Content 10X for three years now. Before that, I actually had a very, very different career. I was a management consultant for 13 years. So you know, at Content and X, as you just said, working with I guess smaller businesses, brands, influencer type people, people who are trying to become the key known person within their industry. But before that, I was working with big businesses. So companies like Microsoft, Bank of America, you know, other banks. And I was in change management. So I specialized in helping these big businesses through transformation programs and specifically mergers and acquisitions. So what I do now is very different, but I'd always wanted to start my own business. I Even when I graduated from business school, I saw the management consultancy thing as a two-year plan, and then I was going to go off and start my own business. But two years became 13 years, and I guess I got off the hamster wheel of the job and, and started looking at what business I could start and what I could do when um, I had kids because I couldn't do the same amount of travel that I used to have to do all the time. I mean, I had a period of some ill health where I was off work for a while in recovery from various operations. And in that time, I immersed myself in the online business world. So, you know, I discovered podcasts, I discovered online courses, I discovered all the kinds of people that you might expect, like Pat Flynn and Amy Porterfield and Gary Vaynerchuk and people like that. Started reading a lot of books and just became really, I guess, inspired that there's an opportunity to create a business, create an online business that can work more around your lifestyle and that kind of thing as well. And yeah, then I was... I pivoted from business consulting in a corporate organization to doing some more online consultancy through a business that I set up, really embraced content marketing, started learning loads about that and started to repurpose my content. And then I guess I just saw the business opportunity there that there was, you know, when people create content, if they can then hand that off to somebody who can repurpose it and have that various skill sets, that would be a number of different freelancers if working with other people. So copywriters, graphic, designers, video editors, podcast editors, maybe. I I sort of thought that was a great idea. I tested it with different people that I knew. And then the business was born. Basically, the tests worked. I got great feedback. So then I just went all in. And yeah, then three years later, it's just evolved and changed. And we've got clients. I've grown the team. Wow.
0: That's cool that you tested it because I think a lot of people, they start a business without... Like they have an idea and they just started, which that's okay to do. But I don't think many people test the idea first to make sure that it's going to work.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I guess a mistake that I see is a lot of people get really hung up on things like having a website and, you know, must, you know, finish the website before I can even start thinking about finding the customer and, you know, sorting out branding, getting personal profiles set up on you know, social media and all the things that actually really don't matter in terms of what matters is knowing that you have a product or a service that can help people and then finding those people and helping them, testing that it works and finding more people. Websites, things like that, you know, actually are are not essential, but I think sometimes people get caught up in in the back end bits of things rather than the testing, the verification, and then getting something to market.
0: Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. people focus initially on the more fun stuff like exactly. the yeah that that's yeah. like the fun stuff the easy stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we I've, all do it you know mm-hmm. everyone's guilty of it aren't they <laughs> right exactly so if someone is coming to you for you to help
1: repurpose their content how does that process work So what we do at Content 10X as a business is we work with mainly people who have episodic um, type content. So, you know, a weekly podcast or a weekly video show, maybe a weekly live stream, that kind of thing. And then let's say, for example, it's a weekly video show. Then once the video is created, it then gets sent to us. And then my I have a team of different skill sets. So, you know, copywriter for any of the copy. So we write blog posts and we write social media posts and things like that. Um, then video editor who will, you know, do final edits on a video perhaps and then slice and dice the videos and create lots of different videos for things like Instagram stories, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. So lots of work on say the video. If it was a podcast, we'd create audiograms and things like that. So it depends what the input is. If it's a video, we might extract the audio and then do, you know, add intros, outros, and produce that audio into a podcast episode. So that's where my podcast editor would get involved. And then we'll create things like graphics, you know, pull quote graphics and um, anything that is on Branding required by the client based on who they are, what their audience is, where they hang out, and um, we'll create you know blog posts and then anything else like content upgrades, emails. This all comes from one video, so we we receive one video or one podcast, and then we have this repeatable you know process, this repeatable service where something comes out and then maybe you know twenty things come back, <laughs> but we publish as well. So the whole idea, like the premise to our clients, is that they focus on creating brilliant core content but like long form decent core content where they can get the message out there and then they can go and run their business and do the important things that they should be doing and leave everything to us so we'll publish the podcast onto the host the video onto youtube the blog post onto the website with artwork everything on every social media channel and everything goes out and then before you know it the next video is done and it it kind of repeats if, if that makes sense
0: oh wow that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so they just record one podcast episode, one YouTube, send it to you, and then you handle everything else as far as repurposing it to video, audiograms, blog posts...
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even to the point that they don't have to send us a fully produced podcast episode or a final video either. So we can receive the raw audio or the raw, you know, video and and we'll do the production to get that core piece of content ready to go out and then we'll do all of the additional content too. So it's really to to help people focus more on what their message is and what they want to get out there, what the core content is, but not worry about every other aspect and and I think a good thing with it as well is it encourages consistency too so you know if you work with us and it's a weekly service then you really do want to get you know that content to us every week so and when you're not doing all the other things you might have been doing before it's it's easier to then Just focus on that core content and get that to us. And consistency is key as well. You know, it's really important if you commit to. I mean, it doesn't doesn't matter what the schedule is. I'm not saying it has to be weekly. It could be every two weeks, every three weeks, twice a week, three times a week. But you just need to have the consistency and stick to it, so that when you build in an audience you know they they get familiar with with when the content's coming out they look forward to when the content's coming out and and its consistency is great with you know pesky algorithms so algorithms on youtube algorithms on social media and even you know the bots that crawl websites they, they look for new fresh consistent content so there's lots of lots and lots and lots of benefits to um consistent content that you then kind of repurpose
0: Yeah, well, that saves people a lot of time. So out of curiosity, say, for example, well, I have been putting out daily shows for a while during this quarantine, but now I'm going back to back to once a week. But so say, for example, for me, like if I were to give you a weekly podcast, that's usually anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, approximately what would that cost then to do all the repurposing
1: Well, it really so for us. Every client service is completely bespoke to what they, you know, what what they want. So, you know, and things make a difference in terms of whether it's a ten-minute episode, twenty minutes an hour, things like that. But then, what we do is we'd we'd look at what you wanted really. So it's a bit like picking candy in a candy store, to be honest. So you know, we sit down with our clients and we work out. What's, what social media do you focus on? So, you know, some clients it is absolutely, I am all in on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn to, no, I just focus on LinkedIn. So, you know, it we sit down and work out what social channels from a website perspective, you know, we work out whether we want uh, shorter form show notes with the podcast episode or actually long form SEO Uh, focused articles and things like that as well and usually you know we can do both show notes and long articles and then we look at do we want in do we look i want audiograms do you want us to send an email to your email subscribers so it really really varies but it's an indication of the price range it kind of starts from about about a thousand dollars a month, so about two hundred and fifty dollars a week, and it, and it goes up to about three thousand dollars a month, so about one to three thousand dollars a month for the weekly, you know, repurposing of somebody's content.
0: Because right now I'm doing all that stuff on my own, <laughs> and <laughs> it is. I mean, right now that's you know, as being the frugalpreneur, that's all I can really afford. But someday, I hope to be able to hire out someone to do all this kind of stuff. And so definitely use your services probably for that.
1: I think it's like, you know, when you get to the point where you know how many hours you spend on what you're doing. And then you think if I, if I outsource those hours. So, you know, I had a client who kind of worked out that she spent about 10 hours or so trying to do all the things similar to what we did. And then if I get somebody else to do that and I get those 10 hours back in 10 hours, could I make more than $250, $300? Well, actually, you know, she she made, you know, more than 10 times that she outsourced a little bit of spend but brought way more revenue in from the hours that she spent, you know, serving people, getting more clients, that kind of thing. So I guess you just have to know what you think an hour's worth of your time. And if if you sold that, what would you bring? What would you bring in? And if it's more, then that's the point where you can think, okay, it's time to, to get some help.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Like what is your time worth basically? Yeah. Exactly. Calculate. Yeah.
1: So then how many people
0: are on your team?
1: Um, there's currently 10 people in the team. So we're not huge. We're a small kind of creative, like boutique type agency, really. Very specialized. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Are they all located there
1: or are they? In the UK, mainly the UK, but we're a little bit dispersed, UK, Ireland, Canada, but but mainly the UK because I like to, we have meetups, we like to, we all work remotely, but mm-hmm. I like us to have, you know, quarterly or even monthly uh, meetups at co-work offices and things like that.
0: Okay. So does each person kind of specialize in one area, basically?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we've got copywriters, a video editor, podcast editor, a creative team, and each person in the team has, you know, a specialism like graphic design, um, infographics, that kind of thing. And then publishing, too. So actually, you know, we've got two of the members of the team their specialism is when the content's all created it's the you know it's knowing all the nuances of different clients websites getting everything published on social media understanding hashtags and all that kind of stuff and so yeah it kind of spans every every skill set that we need um, to deliver the service i guess i have through the different team members you know who i who i employ um to deliver the service
0: So then basically you would send the podcast episode to all of them and then they start working on their piece or does it kind of go through a process?
1: Yeah, it's a process. You would not... I think you'd probably be like, you wouldn't believe the Trello boards basically. So it's a very fast turnaround service for the sheer volume of content that we create. And it's, you know, very much a process in terms of the handoff. So everyone can't do everything at the same time. You know, someone has to listen or watch the video to draw up the plan for everybody to work from. And we, you know, we have different handoffs and different people do different things. So there's every client probably has a, kind of Trello board that has maybe anything from 50 to 100 steps that each member of the team goes for every week in order to to generate that service for the client. So like this comes back to my, I guess, my management consulting days when I was, you know, that I, I was very much kind of process improvement and setting up and helping clients with process. And I suppose when I said at the start, you know, what I do is so different to what I used to do. It is in terms of the clients and what we work on, but the skill set. Of um, kind of setting up and managing complex processes, I guess is what comes to play for me with with running the business. It's you know it is complex and there's lots of handoffs, but you know we, we've set everything up in such a way that it just goes very very smoothly. But I think um, if people saw you know what 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 we do, they'd be like, "Wow, you do that every week for every client!" But uh, yeah, um, but we do, and it works. It works really well. You post it for the client on social media. Yeah. Have you found that
0: the clients are hesitant to allow access to...
1: Yeah, it's a huge, huge level of trust from the clients. And then on our side, it's a huge um, level of responsibility. And I always say to my team, you know, the publishing side of things is the highest risk side to our entire business because we have access to clients, the website, we could do anything on the website. We could post anything on any of the social media. We've got access to everything. We could send an email to their hundred thousand subscribers because we've got access to their email service providers. So, you know, we, we get access to everything that we deliver. It's a massive, massive, massive like leap of faith, I guess, and trust on behalf of the client. But it's a really good question because I've never had anybody hesitant at all. It's funny. People are just, people, the clients we've worked with have been so just completely, you know, I guess they just trust us. You know, we go through a fairly lengthy onboarding process, which lasts a few weeks when we get all of that set up and tested and things like that. And yeah, we've only maybe, I could probably count on one hand the clients that have maybe been a little bit hesitant and just wanted everything to be created for them, but they will publish it themselves. But to be completely honest with you, that was more of a budget thing than a trust thing, actually. You know, the budget kind of ran out at a certain point, so they took in-house the actual publishing of the content. But um, but yeah, it's risky, you know, and, and, and I'm always sort of super nervous. I'm not involved in that anymore like as as I'm running the business the team do that but I'm always you know kind of just doing spot checks and speaking to them and just making sure that we appreciate you know just how high risk that is and how much trust they're putting in us we can't let anyone down
0: so you had mentioned TikTok, and yeah. know th- that's like the new thing, and everyone's like, "You should get on that." What is your uh, opinion on that? Because I don't know; it seems like it's maybe for younger audiences, but
1: may- I- I'm not on there yet. I and I, I didn't do Snapchat or any of that. I just... Well, I mean, funny thing is, TikTok's absolutely blown up during the pandemic. Like so many people have started to. Uh, use TikTok. And I think one of the reasons is because it's so easy to share a TikTok video on other platforms. So a lot of people, don't know if you've noticed this yourself, but in my Insta stories, I'm seeing loads of TikTok videos because it's people I know who have posted a TikTok or they've hit the share button and it's come on into their Insta stories as well. So I, I've been seeing lots of TikTok style and TikTok videos there. And I think a lot of people have been kind of seeing that and coming over to see what all the fuss is about and things like that. It's without doubt, you know, a very young, very young platform. I mean, we're not just talking like people in their 20s or late teens, you know, we're talking early teens and like very, very young, young platform. But I don't know what I, I like about it is I, and I did a podcast episode on this two weeks ago is it's definitely the most creative platform in terms of people put quite a bit of time into a lot of the 15 second. Now I never watched Vine either, but I kind of think it might be a bit like Vine because there's, you know, for for every, you know, they're obviously just people putting anything out there, just talking to camera or doing anything. But most of the stuff I see, it's really creative and really different. It's a lot of memes and a lot of skits and jokes and, you know, quite daft, I suppose, because it's fairly young. <laughs> but I like it for the creativity. Personally, I've taken some TikTok ideas And created content more for my platforms like Instagram, but based on some of the fun and creative stuff that's going on on TikTok. So I've been inspired by things I've seen on TikTok and I have posted some content there. But I think from a business perspective, so we have Gary Vaynerchuk saying everybody should be, you know, on TikTok and you're mad if you, you know, if you're missing that and he said that about snapchat too he doesn't say that about snapchat anymore i don't know it's it's a tough one because i don't know i'm challenged to see the full business benefit because it's just fun you know when people are just there having a laugh and having fun but then at the same time i think the argument that if you can grow an audience wherever that audience is, as long if you have the skill to grow an audience of people who are interested in you and what you're putting out there, at the point at which you've got an audience that's the point at which you know you can start trying to to do something with them and start turning that audience into leads and conversions and stuff so it could, it could be a place to try and build an audience but i think you just have to make sure it's the kind of audience that in the end you could do anything with so it's, i posted a video on tiktok for the first ever video i posted and it was just something i put on insta stories and somebody messaged me and said that'd do well on tiktok and i didn't know what tiktok even was at the time. And I went over to TikTok when I was um, on a train the next day or something like that. And I just popped this video on there, got an account in seconds and popped this video. didn't have any hashtags. I didn't write a description. I wasn't following anyone and no one was following me. And it went viral. And I don't know why. I don't, you know, it's I have no idea where well, maybe sometimes when someone's brand new, they just decide to make it go viral. And because of that, I have got thousands of followers on TikTok because about half a million people watched this video and loads of people followed me. But it was a video of me jumping on a sand dune, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with content repurposing. And and the, the I don't know, I don't remember, but say there's like two or three People following it might even be 5,000. I'm not sure, can't remember. I, I don't, it's probably Chinese teenagers, right? Because most people on TikTok are in China and in India. And I think a lot of the likes and follows I got were a lot of people from China and India. So it's probably a whole load of. 15 year old Chinese kids, <laughs> I'm never going to sell content repurposing to them. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't know. I guess my point is like, you could grow an audience there if you think that your audience hang out there, but make sure that the audience that you grow is something, an audience that you could do something with and um, otherwise just go there to have fun. and am not, not too sure on the business benefits, but I do like it. To be inspired by how fun and creative people are on there. And then I bring that into what I put where my audience hang out, which is more Instagram, really, and Facebook. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting take on it. So, what do you feel are the best social platforms
0: for businesses? I mean, I know they all kind of serve different purposes, but.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, if, I think it, you know, it, it just completely depends on what industry you're in. And, you know, you really have to, I guess, you have to work that out for yourself in terms of where your audience hang out. So for our clients, you know, we've got a client who is a recruitment business, a really specialist recruitment business in treasury industry. His audience are all on LinkedIn. We do some tweets, tweets, They're not on Facebook, really, not for what he's looking for. They're not on Instagram. So it's an all-in, really, LinkedIn strategy. But what we do is we make sure we create different content for LinkedIn. So videos, text-only posts, image posts, audiograms, but that's a LinkedIn strategy. You know, we have a client who's a dentist, but she helps dentists grow their practices. So more like a dental coach. And actually, she's actually quite a big influencer in de- the dentistry industry. Her audience is on Facebook. You know, we don't do anything on LinkedIn for her or, or Twitter. It's 80% Facebook and probably about 20% Instagram. So, you know, two very, very different businesses. Some of our clients are quite split. You know, we've got clients who, who work more in like digital marketing, content marketing. I hate saying influencer because it sounds like those people on Instagram on boats and stuff and bikinis and things like that. But I just mean influencer as in, you know, they are trained, they are, they are known as a leading authority in the space that they work in that are a bit more split between the different platforms. But I really think, you know, it's a bit of just studying and and trial and error and just seeing where are your audience. And if you're not sure at first, then you really just have to do some research and then kind of test it and see where you're getting the most engagement and where you're not. And then go all in on where you are and, you know, try not to do anything in the places that don't seem to get you any value back for the time that you're putting into it.
0: And do you have any tips for someone who wants to repurpose their content? and wants to do it on their own, at least initially, or try it out, like tips for how to do that. I've looked into Restream and StreamYard. Oh, so yeah. It's a live stream, but it goes in yeah. So that kind of handles not having to, that kind of automatically repurposes it as far as it going to multiple platforms. And then mm-hmm. I do like audiograms for the podcast and things like that. But do you have any recommendations
1: well, I think I think it's really, really important to repurpose. So I guess one recommendation I, w- I would give is to make sure that you do factor it into your content creation process and to try not to see it as this separate add-on and to try and see it as part of the process. And so... That may even cause you to challenge the frequency by which you put content out, and, and I just mean that from the point of view that sometimes when I I, I talk to people, um, they'll say maybe that they have a, a weekly podcast, let's say, and they'll and then they'll tell me that by the time they've done all of the the editing and the planning and preparation and and got that uploaded to the host, they don't have any time really to do any of the marketing or promotions. They just go on to the next episode, but it's it's a com completely wrong way of doing things in my opinion, because you can't expect people to find your content. You have to, you have to bring your content to people. So if you just put in content out there without any kind of breadcrumbs back to it or any way of finding it, and you're not putting it out there, then really, really limited number of people are going to find it in in the beginning, if anyone. So you have to factor in that kind of that marketing and that promotion within the time that you have. And so if you have five hours a week on your podcast, but that five hours is consumed by the, the, you know, the editing, the production, the recording of it and getting it uploaded. Then next week, that five hours you have should not be on episode two. It should be on the marketing and promotion of the one you did the week before. And you should move, move to it every two weeks because if you're not getting anyone, you know, if you're not pushing it, if you're not promoting it, if you're not putting it out there and just on a constant hamster wheel of churn of new content, you know, you're, you're just missing out, you know, it's, it, you're just going to be missing out on people actually consuming the content and getting value from it. So Look at how much time you have and build that repurposing in. Next thing I would say is to just take it one step at a time and to not try and get too carried away I can talk about all these things like create audiograms write long form blog posts create graphics do a content upgrade things like that and that's really overwhelming and I think sometimes what people do is they'll then try and do everything they'll create an audiogram for every platform and write a long blog post and create a video trailer that they'll put on YouTube and all these different things but it's so like time consuming that they'll probably do it for about one or two weeks and then drop away drop off and then just stop doing it completely. So, I really recommend just taking it one step at a time and just thinking, what is one step that I could add on to my current process to repurpose this? And that might be that you have a podcast, and one step is that you're going to use something like Headliner or Wave, and you go into or, or some podcast host generate them. But maybe one step is that I will always create, you know, three. Audiograms for my podcast, and I will, you know, write the copy. And every week, you know, without fail, when it goes out, I'll publish them on, you know, different places, embed that so that it becomes a habit and it's second nature, and you don't think about it anymore. It's just part of the process of your podcast. And then then add the next step, you know, when that's bedded down as a process, next, maybe think about, you know, creating some quote graphics or something like that, or some Instagram, an Instagram story. If you've got an audience on Instagram, you could create a story about the podcast episode and there you could use tools like Canva and in, in always every week I'll create a story four Instagram stories about the podcast episode, bed that in. do that for a few weeks, do that even for a month and then start adding the next one. So I think, you know, just look at your time allocation. Don't see repurposing as an add-on, but see it as part of the process. Do things one step at a time, make it a habit before you then start adding the next thing on and really focus on where your audience are. Don't be putting things on LinkedIn if you don't think they're on LinkedIn. Don't put things on Instagram if you don't think so. Focus on where your audience are. I guess the other tip I would give is to not just focus on social media, but focus on search as well. So, you know, most people actually, when they want to find anything, they're more likely to go to Google, aren't they? Like, you know, you want the the answer to something. Very quickly, Google. So, it's not all about like that social post, that social post, that social post. If you can get some written content about it as well. So do consider, you know, writing really good show notes where you have done some research into the kind of keywords or phrases someone might search in order to what they would then get from your podcast episode or a long, you know, if you have the time, you know, the best thing to do actually is to write a longer form blog post about the podcast episode where you can get some of those key phrases in keywords that people might ask because then you run in um, a much higher chance of getting found by people who go on search or getting found by people who go on social. So try and think about them both as well. Well, like I said, one step at a time, don't get too overwhelmed because doing the one thing consistently every week is better than doing everything for two weeks and then doing nothing (laughs) thereafter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. What is your opinion of transcripts? Do you think that's necessary if you have show notes?
1: No, I don't think so, really. I think that a lot of people, I get, well, actually, so there's two sides to it. Transcripts are really good if for accessibility, of course, like if it helps people who are hard of hearing or have hearing issues, people who don't speak English or whatever your podcast is language as a first language. And so from an accessibility perspective, transcripts are really good. If anyone thinks that, Oh, but it will help me get found by search engines and SEO and all of that. In actual fact, transcripts don't help you with SEO. They're not keyword focused. There's not key phrase focused. And the bots that crawl the internet and return results for people's searches for Google and the other search engines, very, very intelligent. And they're looking for well-written articles, quality content. And because a transcript is, is typed out how we speak and we don't speak how we write, they don't pick them up as quality content. They do, they kind of crawl past transcripts, really. So it doesn't do much for SEO, but it does do. You know, it, it's great for accessibility. So I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't have them. But a friend of mine who runs a podcast company, you know, his his opinion is that. You have to know what you want people to do and if you do want people to listen to your podcast because you want to establish that deep connection and you know and, and that kind of one-to-one connection that you can get from podcasting that you can't really get from any other medium then maybe you should consider not providing the transcript because if people are just gonna about to listen to it and then they think oh there's a transcript they're just going to skim the transcript and they're not going to listen to you and engage with you and 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 hear your voice so I you know I think it really depends though, you know, it it depends what you're podcasting for as well. If you're podcasting for business and it's all really about growing an audience to ultimately work with you from a business perspective or or whether you're podcasting more for, you know, more like a leisure podcast or a hobby podcast or something like that. So it kind of depends what your reasons are. But personally, I, I don't think that they're worth the expense in terms of podcasts, transcripts that are free. Well, in my own personal experience of not very, you know, they're done by bots and of course like they're because they're free and you spend a lot of time correcting all of the errors. You know, you can spend, I've been put, I've pulled my hair out just correcting like a transcript from something that was only 10 minutes long because it was just so many mistakes and so many errors. So then if you think this is Oh, this is not worth my time. So you go to a service like rev.com and you pay, and it was a dollar a minute, but it's now a dollar 25 a minute. If you have a, you know, like a one hour podcast or whatever, and you're paying over 70, 80 dollars to get that transcribed, I just think that money could go on something that would be, you know, bring back more results. That could go to a copywriter who could do a better job of writing you excellent show notes or that kind of thing, I think, that would help you get found and still help people understand what the podcast episode is about.
0: Yeah, those are good mm. points. Because <laughs> mm. I, I, I was originally going to do transcripts, but then I was like, just all the corrections you have to make.
1: If you, did you try some services like, and like there's otter.ai, there's, well, there's some quite low-priced ones as well. Yeah, I think it was, I used Timmy. And oh, then- yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. Descript is a new one.
1: Yeah, I know. And actually, to be fair, I have heard some really good things about um, Descript, and I tried it like last year when people were talking about it, podcast movement. And I keep meaning to revisit it because it were, you know, they do they do get better, and maybe the error rate isn't as high on some of them as the as the AI is getting better. But then I think it does just come down to, are you happy that someone may choose to read the transcript instead of listening to podcasts? And I know plenty of people who say to me, I absolutely am. I don't care as long as they get a value from it and they know it's from me. I don't care whether they listen or not. And then no other people that say, well, no, because I want them to establish a connection with me. And that comes from listening to my voice and how I explain it. So
0: yeah. I guess that's a good way to look at it or determine yeah. whether or not you need transcripts is whether yeah because I think for for me I prefer people to listen versus just reading a transcript because like you said they could just skim it and they're not going to get the full
1: that yeah I think so and for us what we do and again I'm I'm I completely appreciate I'm saying this, but I'm lucky that I've got a couple of full-time copywriters that work at the, the Content 10X, but we write a long form blog post for every podcast episode. So it's not a transcript. My copywriter will listen to the podcast episode, but then they'll write a blog post based on what I've said. And they maybe do like a little bit more research and, you know, maybe change the way The order of which I, you know, I might have explained something in a certain way that if you were to read it, it would make sense to explain that first before you explain that and that kind of thing. So, you know, they they base the post on what I say, but it's not verbatim, it's not a transcript. But somebody would get the same answers and the same results. So they can listen to the podcast or they can read the blog post. It's not word for word. But if they want to learn how to repurpose a horizontal video into a vertical video, then they both solve the same problem just in a different way, You know, just communicated differently.
0: And on audiograms, I've seen them without captions. I know the purpose of captions is so that someone doesn't have to actually turn on their sound. And so if they're like at work or something and they can just read it. But what is your opinion on that? It's like, if you're going to bother to do an audiogram, should you have captions or does it not really matter?
1: I think you probably should. The statistics are something ridiculous, like over 80% of people watch a video on social media without the sound on. And I suppose that they're making the decision because they automatically play without the sound on. So then you're kind of making the decision as to whether you want to tap that little button and make the sound play. And I think with audiograms in particular, like we burn captions onto all the videos we create where it's a video, where it's somebody on camera for social media, not necessarily for YouTube, because people are there to watch a video. So you'd expect them to have the sound on. But we on social media, we burn captions onto them. And then I think with audiograms, it's almost more important because you can't even see the person and you can't see the lips moving or anything. You can just, you know, you just see like there's still image and sometimes, you know, there'll be the animated audio Wave, so yeah, I, I guess if I if I was to say which I think would be the best, I think do it either way because an old audiogram is better than no audiogram. But then if you have the time and you know, and you're considering captions, then yeah, I think given a, given that most people are looking without sound on, you're going to get a much better chance of grabbing someone's attention if they can at least see what the words are on the screen.
0: The last thing I wanted to ask about was I've heard mixed things about whether or not you should put your podcast episodes on YouTube as mm. like, if it if it's like a video podcast, then that's fine. But if it's just audio where it's like your image and then the audio bar going across it, that's currently what I do. But what is your opinion on that?
1: You know, I think it's not a bad idea at all because when the research came out, at the Edison Research Infinite Dial report, which is like the main report every year on the podcasting, well, on on media. So it looks at audio content, social media content, and they do a big study. And it's fairly indicative of what's happening with like US adults, uh, people over 12 participating in it. I was really surprised how many people say that they consume podcasts on YouTube. I, I used to think who would do that like why would you why would you listen to a podcast on YouTube well, Like you said there's nothing to look at it's just like a static image and then and then you're listening to it I used to think who would do that but the answer actually is a lot of people like a lot of people said that they consume them on YouTube so and also I think YouTube are moving more towards making audio more um, of an accessible format they're kind of they're doing certain things to make that even more like easier so you could have it playing on your phone in your pocket you know as opposed to if you had it and you're holding it and it was it would stop or whatever because if you put it in your pocket it would touch buttons and things like that so yeah I, what we tend to do is we don't put full episodes on youtube we create these trailers where we extract like four or five minute-long highlights of an uh, interview. And then we put the four, three, four, five-minute trailer onto YouTube. And then our call to action is, you know, if you want to listen to the rest of this episode, then head to. And we send people in certain direction. I guess what we're going for there is... We're mainly working with b- businesses who are creating content for their content marketing, and they really do prefer it if you get over to their website so that you can consume content there and then start to look at what they do and, you know, go in a bit of a rabbit hole of the content and then, you know, want to work with them. So we, we tend to do a tease on YouTube and then the tease leads them to the full podcast episode. I don't think there's anything there's, there's a lot I think there's actually a lot to gain for looking at the statistics and how many people listen to them on YouTube I certainly don't think it's a, a bad thing to do at all I think it's a positive thing to do
0: okay good so I'll just keep doing that then. yeah keep why not yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: well I appreciate your time today was there anything else you wanted to go over that maybe we hadn't discussed
1: No, I mean, the only thing I was going to say, and it's a little bit of a plug, but um, when you're asking about where people can get started, I've got my book, Content 10X, and it literally takes people through how to repurpose every type of content, very step-by-step. So, you know, for anybody, as you asked, you know, getting started or what steps should they take or how can they do it? And especially you know, the book is written for the the DIYer, somebody who is starting out and repurposing their content and it covers how to repurpose anything from social media content to podcasts to blogs, to if you do a live stream, to emails, to any, everything. So, so yeah, like a, I guess a bit of a shameless plug, but I genuinely think if, if you listen to this and you want to get started, my book really will kind of help like set that foundation and set the processes up for what exactly what to do so you don't have to spend time on Google trying to work it out for yourself. I meant to mention that. <laughs> I'm glad you did. But yeah, if people want to
0: find out more, they can go to content, 10x.com, and that's the number 10. Yep. And then I'll also have show notes at SarahStjohn.com
1: forward slash Amy Woods. I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a really great conversation, so thank you. If you enjoyed and found
0: value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcastpreneur. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, don't forget to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Until next time.